This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. It's fun, like, looking at how that, how music kind of has, has gone throughout the Christian message. And, and thinking about change and how, how this, this, this thing that can be so powerful, where people are writing songs owed to joy about, how it's in the midst of, of a transformation, huge transformation. And I think a lot of us are sensing that same transformation in our lives, that, that same transformation in our workplace, that same transformation in a lot of areas. And it follows a really basic pattern. Construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. Can we say those all together? Construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. So we have that first construct phase where we're like, life really is all together. I mean, I remember, I actually, honestly, knew it all in 12th grade. I had it all. I could tell you the way everything was supposed to be. And then 22 happened. And all of a sudden, life was not quite all the ways that I had imagined it. Of course, there were good things, but there was a lot of deconstruct going on. A lot of those things that I thought were just this in these really beautiful boxes started to fall apart and ended up going through a phase of deconstruction. A phase where like, I started to see life very differently. A story I like to tell, and it's a funny one, is, you know, because I can remember I was in the midst of that deconstruct phase and what a little thing, a little small little interaction sort of got me moving forward in life. And not that I haven't returned to deconstruct on occasion, I have. Story some of you have heard was at Penn State. I was president of my pledge class. We go in, we go into the fraternity house. My, my wife now, my girlfriend then, I'm watching these guys, watching this one guy funneling beer, drinking tons of beer, and I'm thinking, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. There's nothing cooler except for Marcus singing, but there's nothing cooler. And then we come out of that fraternity house. My wife looks at me, my girlfriend at the time, and she went, that's the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's, that's the way the construct, deconstruct, reconstruct starts to work. And it's just about holding it. There's this pattern. It's part of life. It's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's about understanding that this is how things go. And it's been interesting working with this. I've been working a lot with a wonderful young man who's watching us online. Uh, he's kicking the you-know-what out of cancer, so way to go, Cain. And, uh, you know, Kane and I have been talking about this, and we met with a group of young adults to talk about this, because a lot of young people are very much stuck in this deconstruct phase, where they're not just going to do the church that their parents did, that their grandparents did, that their great-grandparents did. I mean, I've thought about that for myself. Like, I could, as, as being 52 years old, I could go back to the same church that my great-grandparents went to and knew what was going on. But if I grabbed my great-grandfather, who also happened to be a minister, and brought him here to New Church Live, he'd be like, what are you doing? It would be a disconnect. But that's part of being able to move through these different phases. And for a lot of young adults, they look at church, and this phrase, I thought, it really sort of, you know, cut deep for me. A lot of these young adults said, you know, they feel like any involvement with church, with some of the politicizing that's taking place, etc., they said they would feel like it was toxic complicity. Ouch. Toxic complicity 
is miles away from the true Christian message, Beethoven, Ode to Joy. Two very different, do you see the different scenarios there? Quite different. My hope through this series is that we acknowledge this exists. And at the same time that we pull through a heart that is just overwhelming with joy, that just understands that this message with God, this message of Christ, gives us a new way to live in the world. It's a way filled with joy and passion and authenticity and connection that moves away from loneliness and selfishness and self-aggrandizement into into who we were actually created to be. That's our hope here. That's our hope at New Church Live. That's our hope as a congregation. That's my hope as a pastor. I'm sure that's part of your hope as well. And I don't want to come at this in some big, heavy way. Like, that's not it. I remember talking to a parishioner who was aghast because they'd gone back to their their church of childhood for Christmas Eve. The pastor slams the back door and he said, why aren't you here every other week? That's not good sales. It's not what this is about. This is not about a guilt trip. It's about rediscovering that joy. And I think we can, even in circumstances that are challenging. I saw this little short video. My son lives in Lancaster. It brought a smile. It talks, it's sort of on the ode to joy thing and sort of how even in winter we can find joy. So I want us to kind of get people in that joyous space by just seeing this little 30-second video here. Crazy 16-year-old Amish kids. So we can look at that, and I, I think that's kind of the spirit that I, that I want to hold this with, is, is one of lightness and one of, yeah, looking at what the joy can be. Because, see, I really do believe this, folks, that if we can figure out what this heart is, not what the structures are, because those have changed, and we're not going back. Like, those, those things are, have changed. How do we figure out that heart? How do we carry it through? a deconstruct phase that may actually be appropriate and then find something new, reconstruct something on the other side. Something that we're all part of. Not something that's my vision or one person's vision, but but something where that heart starts to come alive again. I think that's, that's a blessed place to be. Of course, we can look at many stories in the Bible that, that talk about these different phases. And I'm going to tell you a story, and actually it give, gives us a word that a lot of you use. It's a big-time app that a lot of you use. The word Babel or Babel. How many of us have heard that word? All right. So the word Babel or Babel comes from this particular story in the Bible. And it's a story about a group of people who have a construct phase, and then they have a deconstruct phase. And we're going to talk about reconstruct as well, kind of using this as a little bit of a parallel for where we're going on the next three weeks. Now, again, we're doing church a little bit differently today, where I'm asked some people to read out loud here. So our first reading here is from Genesis 11.1. And this will be reader number one. Angela, if you can find reader number one and let them read for us. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. 
Good. So that's how it starts. The idea that like, like we get a place where it's like one language in a common speech. And I think all of you can remember a time like that. Like for some reason, for me, I, I imagine back to being this little kid. I go back to, to the church in Pittsburgh where we went in and lining up for Thanksgiving. We would line up and we would bring these beautiful little offers. I remember being in my suit, lining up, bringing these offers. You know, of course, as I passed mom and dad's aisle, I had to give the, like the royal wave and then offering this up front to the pastor. And for the longest time, I actually thought that pastor was God. Like, literally, I thought, oh, there's God. And then there was an organist part over on the side with light coming out. I thought this where angels were. And it's this beautiful, beautiful memory of sort of moving with one language, moving with a common speech. Now, New Church holds it this way, at this next slide. That it's a single stream, a shared love, a united goal. A variety, a, a unity drawn out of variety. I, I think we can all remember that time. And it's precious. And it's important. Think back to Christmas Eve or something like that for yourself. Like, where did you experience that? And I want to be clear. There's value in these pieces. They're hard to recreate. But there's value there. New Church talks about remains. You know, what remains with you? These, these little memories. And these memories, folks, not just are in our head. They're, in, they're, they're located. They're located in certain places where we remember them. And they can bring a lot of joy back into our hearts. Now, what I want to do is I want to throw this question out there to the audience. Questions of the construct phase. What is valuable there? What is worthy of preservation? Angela's going to come around, and I'd ask you, if you're interested in answering that, raise your hand. Like, you look back to that phase, that construct phase, what was really valuable there, and what's worthy of preservation? So just raise your hand, and Angela will be around. Family times. Family times. Do you have a particular one you remember, a family time? Uh, gosh. Uh, celebrating the different holidays. Celebrating the different holidays. Great. Comfort and yeah. knowing things were taken care of and not having to worry. <sighs> Sounds like the opposite of being an adult. <laughs> you know? Yeah, remember, you like... Comfort. You didn't have to worry about a whole lot, right? You knew everything was taken care of. Life was good. What's another one out there, folks? All are welcome. All are welcome. That, that idea that, you know, the large family gatherings, what that was all like. Truly amazing out there, folks. Do we have, do we have one last one? One last one? Put it on the microphone so people online can hear you. I was going to say your faith, because with your faith, you have everything. With your faith, right. And remember, and remember, that's a beautiful one. Thank you. You know, remember that simple childlike faith, right, from that time? It was just, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Give everyone a round of applause, folks. Thank you for doing that. So, so that's really important to know that, yeah, that is kind of where things start. That's that construct phase. Very, very important phase. Very, very important phase. 
One author who I really like, Father Richard Rohr, said one of the challenges we have today is very few people grow up in that construct phase. Most of us actually are growing up now in a deconstruct phase, which is interesting. A whole sermon in itself, show back up next year and I'll preach on it. And this story, this story starts to echo that shift. So you have this time where these people start here. Just They start here with, with one voice, one song, the, the construct phase. And then I'm going to shift over here. And then that starts to change in their lives. That starts to change. And they start to, you know, sort of become more and more self-absorbed, as we all do. And they start to believe, like, oh, we can, we can actually build something. We're not just here to receive life. We're here to build. And, and I understand, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with building. It's when we get caught in our own heads that this is our work, like my work, mine, 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 mine. And we lose track of that bigger picture. That's what the story about Babel's all about. Now, here's our next reading. And if number two could read this. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Great. So, so that it's sort of that reaching for immortality, that reaching for building, that, that, that deep concern that if we, if we don't leave a deep mark in the world somehow, if we don't leave a deep mark, that somehow life wasn't worth it. But we can leave a big mark. Something beyond just what we built. Again, doesn't mean that building things is wrong. It means our obsession with kind of self-creation versus being open to what God is doing. That's where we can get a little bit off track. When we come back, I want to talk about what happens with this tower. And then I want to leave you with just a really, really important message about what it can look like as we move past that phase into reconstructing something, reconstructing something in our lives, reconstructing something in our relationships, opening ourselves more and more owed to joy. So fun again, like hearing how those songs go and, and knowing that, that we're talking about a process here, like construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. And I think so much of it is just understanding that things do flow and change and morph but again, the heart can remain the same. I mean, I, I work with people all the time, and they hit the deconstruct phase, and just somebody shout out. You go from construct to deconstruct. What's the big worry, folks? We're going to throw it out there. Change. You know, that, that change becomes terrifying. And we can also, and raise your hand if you think this way. I do all the time. When you hit deconstruct, it's, we feel like it's always going to be that way. It's always going to be falling apart. That there actually isn't anything on the other side of that. And if we forget that there's someone on the side of it, we miss the message. Now, this story, again, that we're looking at with Babel or Babel, it's, it's, it's a story about that construct phase that moves pretty quickly then into deconstruction. And I was thinking, okay, so how could I explain to the congregation sort of what this would look like in a, in a historical image that all of you would understand? I think this might do it. The Titanic. Right, the Titanic. The Titanic was supposed to be the ship that was unsinkable. Created by man, unsinkable, and it ended up sinking. I think that's what this is driving at here. 
when you look at that, when you look at that idea of this unsinkable ship, when you look at that idea of this tower that we believe we can build, that we can somehow create something to reach to heaven, to becoming gods ourselves, a lot of that comes from a place that's not necessarily the healthiest of human motivations. Places like this, self-preservation, self-love, self-worship, self-absorption. Now, Manuel Swinburne has a great quote about self-absorption. He has a quote where he says, self-absorption is hell. And it is, we can get so wrapped in on ourselves, so wrapped in on our own thing, that it becomes our own little private hell. You know, that's just not a great, not a great place to be. And what we can fall in love with, I think, and where the challenge lies, I, I think there's part of it here, folks. It gets to that change thing that someone shouted out. What we can fall in love with is we can fall in love with the structures. The change becomes so disconcerting, so anxiety-producing, that we go back and we just grab onto with, with, like, with like white knuckles, we grab onto the structures the way things were. In a very hard time letting go. I, I love Anne Lamott's quote. I, she said, uh, I let nothing go that didn't have claw marks on it. You know, that idea that it's really hard to let go. But we can do that very easily where we tend to value structures, not substance. Older structures. And that's, and that's where we can, we can, we can sort of like, ah, fall into that. It's hard to explain, but, it, but I hope I'm getting it across. What happens there is then the story goes on, and here we're going to reader number three. And you think of this not as God kind of kind of hurting people, but this is, this is about an appearance of what they were saying God was doing. It's reality of what they were doing. So who has number three? Could you read this one? Come, let us go down and confuse their languages so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Great. So this is where we get the phrase Babel or Babel. If you say somebody's babbling, you're saying you're being like the Tower of Babel. Or a babbling brook where you can't quite hear the particular sound, even though we use those words positively. It comes from this, this idea of confused language where we, where we no longer come to understand ourselves. That's because the common good is gone. It's sort of every man and woman for himself. No idea of the greater good. And as, as we're all in that ultra-competitive, individuals just doing their own thing. That's where the language, where we stop sharing a certain language. And that can become a very challenging time. Any of you feel that way a bit today sometimes? <laughs> you know, are we sharing the same language anymore? I think, I think we can feel anxiety around that. And I think churches, synagogues, mosques, Nonprofits, all those are, are great ways to try to recapture a more common language, to move us through deconstruct into something bigger. Because we can feel scattered. Those structures, folks, you know, as those structures go, it, it can be challenging. Like it is, it is, it does feel like a loss. I mean, I was thinking back just, just a very sort of 
mundane example. You know, watching a structure change and watching this, this process change. I, I was thinking back, I don't know why this came to mind, but I think it's germane. You know, way back to when I was 14 years old, my brother and I decided to have a bunch of friends and girls over for a little dance party in the Blair living room. So we cranked up the Barry Manilow, and we turned down the lights, and we were dancing as, you know, slow dancing to everything we could. And then lights come on, and here's my mother, and I remember it clear as day. Lights come on, bright lights, and here's my mom with a five-gallon vat of vanilla ice cream. That's startling, like, wow, you know, mom, that would have worked when I was eight. Doesn't work so well now. Those changes. And, and we have to learn, you know, I think that, that there is a movement through that, and a lot of it is deeply uncomfortable, deeply challenging for our lives. What I was thinking about is, as well, like, and just, and just how times have changed and how do we capture the heart. Uh, Recently, we got a little a little cabin in a Christian retreat center. Now, this Christian retreat center is 125 years old. Think about that. Amazing to me. So they collected a bunch of people. And they said, look, we're going to build 50 cabins. We'll have 50 shares. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to hang out all summer together. These 50 cabins. And we're going to have church on Sunday. We'll have in speakers. We'll have music etc., etc. Yes or no? Would that be possible to do today? I think it'd be really hard to do. See, there was, was something in that construct phase that, that just is beautiful. And how do you slide it through to get through to something else where, where those structures are so hard to even imagine today people doing that? I think with a lot of this, folks, that control is not an option. And this is important. Control is not an option, but trust is. Control is not an option, but trust is. We have to learn to come to understand that relationships go through these phases. Churches go through these phases. Communities go through these phases. And we have to learn to trust, and even though we can't control it, we have to learn to trust it. And then maybe these two types of communities can start to show up. I think this is really big. You know, the idea we have communities of commitment and the idea is we have communities of interest. The communities of interest, those on the right, like, those are really exciting things. Those are the kind of, you think about social media, social media is filled with communities of interest where I can go in and I can look up what I'm interested in. I can be part of it as much as I want and then I can step away. But communities of commitment, that's something far different. That's where we get into obligation. That's where we get into a different, a different kind of place. And I think so much of what churches are called to from a new church view is these communities of commitment. These communities of obligation. You know, I, I think, folks, again, about, about a dinner table. You know, we just got done with the series, One More Place at the Table. Are all family dinners, is every single family dinner valuable, yes or no? No. no. <laughs> There's some that don't work. 
thank you for that emphatic answer. But there are some that are, and there are some family dinners that are priceless. See, a community of interest, that is just about sort of like, yeah, I just go there and I just do what I'm interested in, and that's fine. That has a really, really good part in my life. I watch a lot of football. But communities of commitment, that's where the obligation starts to show up, and this is the key. This is the key. A community of commitment, that can be what carries us through this process. Where we're able to hold people as they move from construct to deconstruct to reconstruct. Because there actually should be a little bit of excitement there, right? Like, like as, as churches, as individuals, in relationships, as that deconstruct happens, and we, we kind of view that, we normalize it. We get there's, there's actually excitement in there because there's, there's something on the other end that maybe God is opening up as long as we hold the heart. As long as we hold the heart. Let me repeat that again. As long as we hold the heart and we don't give in to cynicism. As long as we hold the heart and we don't give in to cynicism. We don't try to control it. We trust it. We do the best we can to move into these communities of commitment. Knowing that, yep, 10 days, nine of them aren't going to do much. But one, maybe one will. And that'll make that sacrifice so worth it. I think about like all the little pictures of it, right? All the little pictures that we can look at all the little pictures of communities of commitment and, and how these look and how these functions and the, and the joy that can be there. And again, what happens to come back to the next one? And I mentioned this last week from Pope Francis that we are to be artisans of the common good. Artisans of the common good. That those towers that we build, they do fall. And that we do have times where we feel like the language is scattered. I believe myself that this is one of those times. But that if we can find those communities of, of interest, invest, excuse me, find the communities of commitment, invest in those, and allow those to carry that heart through, that there really is something at the back end of this for us. That idea that we can re-engage in new ways, that we can reorganize in new ways, that we can recommit in new ways, and maybe find new life there. I invite you back again next week as we talk about what that real tender part of our heart is, that little, that little cherished part that we start to move through. And the week after, as Luke so wonderfully put out, put out there, we really talk about, like, yeah, where are the spaces where people can move into? Not move into from some, like, you know, some sort of slave ship obligation, but just move into because it's where your soul comes alive. Where you find things coming full circle. Remembering the words, ode to joy. Amen. So Marcus is now going to come up. He's going to do our closing prayer. 
After he does the closing prayer, you'll have a moment just where you can have some quiet reflections, a moment to just think, say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or just say your own prayer. And then we're going to close with a wonderful song, a modern religious song, just to show again the heart that goes through it all. Amen. Heavenly Father God, we ask for your guidance in these uncertain times. Where for most of us, I know me, I really feel the deconstruct of the original construct that went up. Help us to accept your will as we don't understand sometimes what we're doing. And having the faith sometimes is reassuring to know that you got this. Help us to recenter our focus around others close to us and to be where we're called to our brothers. Let us be the shelter. Let us be there to answer the call. Let us be the one to light the way, to guide them home. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.